Allow me to set the scene. Hi, I'm John Brokaw. And outside of the Temple of Jerusalem, we have stunning news. A blind man has been completely healed. Live on the scene, we have Aaron Cooper. Aaron? Good evening, John. Yes, currently there is a crowd forming around the young man who was healed of his blindness, but I got a chance to speak with him. He says that a man named Jesus healed him and then asked him, does he believe in the Son of Man? The young man responded by saying, Lord, I believe. And then he worshiped this Jesus. Next thing, the young man told me that Jesus came into the world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Back to you, John. Thanks, Aaron. What a miraculous day indeed. Good evening, Jerusalem. Thanks for watching. EBF, brothers and sisters, this is where we find ourselves, in Jerusalem, 33 AD. So with that in mind, can you open your Bibles to John 10? John 10. And as you're opening that up, go ahead and stand to your feet. John 10, we're going to start at verse 1. Let's listen closely to Jesus as he addresses the crowd right after he addresses physical and spiritual blindness. Allow me to set the tone. Verse 1, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He was a hired hand and not a shepherd. He does not own the sheep. He was a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep. Sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees 
and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. Let me take a seat. Jesus addresses straight on the question everyone is asking. Who is this Jesus? Everyone had and, and has opinions on who the person of Jesus is. In this day, was he a demon? Was he sent from God? Was he a prophet? But Jesus gives us a clear answer to his identity. So let's explore who Jesus reveals him, himself as. On your own, I want you to kind of reread verses 1 through 5 and stop. Just stop after you get to verse 5. Go ahead, reread it on your own. pick up at verse 6. It says that the figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. And the question we have to ask ourselves, why didn't they understand? I think we have to remember that in, in John 9, right before this happens, a man who was completely blind since birth was healed and right at the end, there's this conversation between a Pharisee and Jesus and the blind man. And Jesus says, those who see, I wish they were blind. And those who are blind, I wish they would see. I paraphrase, obviously. But then to answer that question, Jesus starts talking about like sheep and sheepfold and doors. You guys ever been in class and... And, this, and the teacher just uses words that are just all over your head, and you're like, what? I think that's kind of what's going on right here. But Jesus clears up his message in verse 7. Don't you love it when someone gives you the answer on the test? Can I get an amen from some students? So in, in verse 7 through 10, now we're able to use what I call the, the plug and chug method. Can I get a, some call and response? So in verse 7, who is the door of the sheep? Jesus. Got an A so far. In verse 8. Oops, sorry. 
In verse 8, who are the thieves and robbers? Look back at it. Verse 8, who are the thieves and robbers? You can say it out loud. All who came before Jesus. Yeah, we, I think we like to assume who that, that thief and that robber is, but Jesus makes it clear. All who come before me. That's both in a historical sense and a relationship sense. So all who have ever lived before Jesus and anyone or anything we place above Jesus, they are thieves and robbers. Notice what he doesn't clear up. He doesn't clear up who sheep are or the sheepfold or the stranger or the gatekeeper. Doesn't even clear up the shepherd yet. I think he does this for a reason because he wants us to focus on him. He goes into this compare and contrast between the door and the thief. And so the first way that, that Jesus reveals himself is as the door. As the door, we learn four provisions for those who enter by the door He does this by contrasting himself with the thief. And so the first one, you can look back at verse 9. There's three things that that are said. It says those who enter will be saved, will be saved. Let me open up mine. And to bring some clarity on that, we got to go back to verse 1. He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. So if anyone tries to come into the sheepfold by another way except the door, they are not saved. So the first thing, once again, Jesus provides Safety for those who are his. There is no safety for those who aren't. Safety from what? We'll get into that. But for right now, everyone who tries to enter in another way, there is no security, there is no safety, there is no assurance. But those who enter through the door, there is safety. They will be saved. The second thing, go back to verse 9. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out. Jesus provides freedom. Jesus provides freedom. How do we know this? Go back to verse 3, this plug and chug. To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name.
You guys ever been called the wrong name? Maybe it's just me at Starbucks when they just write my name wrong. I tell them Lance, and they just write like L-A-N-T-Z or L-A-C-E, and then they just yell it out like, Lance. What? Yeah, I'm frustrated at Starbucks. So I just tell Starbucks, hey, my name's Batman. Never get it wrong. There's a freedom that comes when someone knows you. There's that freedom there in a relationship to go in and out. I trust you. You know me. I know you. Then it continues in verse 3. After he says he leads them out by name, or he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So you're not going in and out on your own or by yourself. You're going in and out because you're following someone you trust who calls you by name. Jesus provides freedom. There's freedom there. Yeah, you were in this sheepfold with other sheep, but if you can go in and out following the trustworthy person, there's freedom there. And the third thing, back in verse 9, the last part of that, he will go in and and we'll go in and out and find pasture. Pasture is just simply rest for the land or for the sheep on the land. So what does Jesus provide? Jesus provides rest. How do we know that? Let's look at verse 5. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. They're running. They're scared. They're fleeing. Most of us, when we have 10,000 things to do on our to-do list, we're kind of in a stressed-out state. We're running from here to there and there and to here. But we don't have rest. But Jesus provides that rest because we don't have to worry about fleeing from someone or running away. We can stay and be. Jesus provides rest. Then the famous verse in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This whole time, Jesus is speaking about spiritual blindness. He's addressing that. And here he's saying, once you're healed, you have eternal life. That's why he asked the man who he healed, do you believe in the Son of Man? Jesus is certainly concerned about him being blind, but earlier in that chapter chapter of 9, it's it's very clear that he's like, this man was born blind so for, for the glory of God, so that people will know, know what? Know that the Son of Man is to believe, is to be believed on, that those who do will have eternal life. That is the life that Jesus is talking about here in 10. 
And so the, the thief, all who come before Jesus, remember relationally and historically. I think today we would, we would never say aloud, hey, I follow false messiahs. I don't, I don't think we would say that. But we can definitely display that with our actions by doing the opposite of what Jesus came to do and what he came to work out in our lives. So just to recap, so the, the, the first way Jesus came to solve our spiritual blindness is to cure our identity crisis. Let me say that again. The first way that Jesus came to solve our spiritual blindness is to cure our identity crisis. He is the door that provides safety, freedom, rest, and life. He is not a false Messiah that leads to destruction, but rather he is a giver of eternal life. So let's look at the second identity Jesus chooses to reveal himself. Let's go back to the text. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. No more games with Jesus. No more analogies. He clearly says who he is. And he also clearly states why. I don't know about you, but I've probably heard that Jesus had, has died for me thousands of times. And I think often, because we know that, or because it's been said to us so many times, we can often feel numb to that. There's a reason that Jesus is about to say this four more times. And I love how he's about to break down why that is important and why it should have ramifications for our life. How does he do it? He, he actually compares and contrasts a good shepherd versus a hired hand. And a hired hand was just simply somebody who would stand outside of the, the sheepfold just because they were getting paid. That was it. And Jesus is about to dive into why that is not who he is. Let's read verse 12 and 13 to to start this off. Jesus gives four main reasons why the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 12, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So the first reason why Jesus lays down his life for the sheep is because he owns and cares for the sheep. Let me put this example before you. Either, you're in a, either you are a child of someone or you have children. Let me ask you this. How many of you guys would like die for your best friend? For like a good friend? You'd die for him. 
Can I see some hands raised? Okay, yeah. Okay, I was like, man, I hope I'm not your friend. Man, <laughs> nobody else is going to die for me. Hey. But how about this? Say you're a parent and you have a kid and someone walks up to you, a good friend of yours. How many of you guys would let your only child die for your friend? Not too many. I know my mom wouldn't. My mom is ready. <laughs> my mom is, is so protective of me. She would never let me die for someone else. But this is exactly what God is doing. He gave up his one and only son. He loves us. He owns and cares for the sheep. Verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Pops up again. So the second reason why Jesus lays down his life for the sheep is because he knows us. He knows us. He intimately knows us. Staying on the topic of my mom. I know she'll appreciate this, so it's okay. I I think we were like at, at Disneyland or... I don't know, someplace with just a, a huge crowd. I'm small, I'm probably, I don't know, like five or six. And usually, like, we were walking around with our, like, our hands held, and then something happened, and I'm like, ah, la, 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 Mickey Mouse. Ah. And I look up, I'm like, oh, snaps, where's my mom? So, in genuine fashion, I'm just yelling for my mom, 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 I don't know. I'm just hoping that my mom will hear me. And then I hear something. Lance! Oh, snaps. I know that voice. I know, and she just keeps saying it. I, I dive right to her. But at the same time, I'm saying, Mom, Mom, and we meet again. We know each other so well just by our voices. Love that verse, 14, 14 and 15. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and lay down my life for the sheep. He lays down his life because he knows us. Verse 16, 17. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also and they will listen to my voice. So there would be one flock, one shepherd. I don't know if you caught this, but this is the only time Jesus is talking to us. Before that, he was talking to Jews. This is the only time he talks to us or about us. So the third reason why Jesus lays down his life for the sheep is is because he desires oneness. He doesn't just desire Jews. There's about, I don't know how many billions of other people that he's speaking to right here. 
And this idea of oneness is that just as the Father and the Son are one, he desires people to be one with him. How does he do that? He has to lay down his life. This tells me that God truly does love all people, not just because he says it, because he dies even for the sheep that are not in this fold. He dies for the others so that we would become one. Verse 18. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. The fourth reason Jesus lays down his life for the sheep is because he has authority to defeat death. Here in this verse, he's just simply swagging on death, to be honest. He's just boasting. Death can't do anything to me. I lay it down on my own accord. You guys remember when you were a little kid, or some of you guys are still little kids, and hopefully there was that, you remember the tetherball? The tetherball court? At my school, there was like this king of the tetherball court. So you just play from one court to the next. If you win, you could progress up to the final tetherball court. And I feel like this is a video game or something. There's always like the, the big boss you can't defeat on that tetherball court. It usually was probably like a kid who was like six feet, six years old, 240. And they like, they're just so bored. They like hit the ball or you, they allow you to hit, go first. You hit the ball. It goes around the ring and right until the last rope hit or the ball hits the pole, they like put their giant hand up and it stops it. And then they're like, give a little smirk. Because what's about to happen next is they just hit the ball and it all the way, it goes over your head. It goes around the pole like four times and it's over. And you're like, dang, I didn't even have a chance. That's exactly what Jesus is doing to death. He's letting it have its fun. He's letting them get close. Gives them a little tease. And then he smirks. Not today. Not today. And he has victory over death. So I love that. The fourth reason Jesus lays down his life for the sheep because he has the authority to defeat death, to rise again. So Jesus is the good shepherd because he lays down his life for the sheep to show that he owns, cares, and knows all the sheep that are his. And finally, to display that he has authority to overcome death. In closing, I, I, I kind of want to answer the so what question. Why does it matter that we can recognize Jesus as the door and the good shepherd? Well, if you're his sheep, this knowledge is vital. Because according to, to 1 John 4.18, we love him because he first loved us. I don't know if you guys know how we get um, authentic currency in our system. 
but there's actually people who make sure that we do. And you know how they can tell the real versus the fake? It's not because they know all the special techniques of, of the fake ones. It's actually because they study the authentic one so well, they know what that one looks like compared to the false ones. What's the so what? We need to be able to recognize Jesus for who he is as this door, as the entrance, as the good shepherd, so much that we fall in love with him. That when these other fake doors and these bad shepherds come around, we know the real one. We won't fall for him. We won't play around with the door because we don't know the code. We know the real one. We walk through the real one. We know the good shepherd. We need to know him. The more we recognize the authentic lover of our souls, we are less likely to follow bad shepherds and open wrong doors. The more we recognize authentic lover, the more we recognize the authentic lover of our souls, we are less likely to follow bad shepherds and open wrong doors. And I know there may be some that haven't entered through Jesus. This is important for you because of Romans 2.4. It tells us that God's kindness leads us to repentance. All these other idols have prostituted our hearts by wasting our time, talents, and resources. So my encouragement to you is that you come through Jesus to the Father who proves his love by laying down his life for you. No other idol has done that. This same Jesus raises again to prove that death has no hold over him. There is forgiveness and love from this good shepherd. Let me pray for us. Good shepherd, True is your word that, like sheep, we've all gone astray. But Father, you knew that. And you provided a plan, specifically an entryway to you through your son Jesus. I thank you that he is the only door. Any other door or way is a thief and a robber. And God, I pray that we would acknowledge that when that raises up in our, in our lives, when false messiahs and false saviors whisper to us. I pray that we would reject them, not because we're self-righteous, but because you have laid your life down for us. Holy Spirit, would you bring that to remembrance to us in those times where we're fighting between idol worship and true worship? God, we need your spirit for that. And I thank you that you haven't left us, but you have given us him as a promise. God, for those who have not entered through that door, I pray that today they would, that they would see you in all of your beauty because of how good you have been to them. Jesus, you provide rest for us, freedom, safety, salvation. Everything we could ever want is found in you. 
God, help us to trust you. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.